Penn Station. Four, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the six o'clock pairing. On the tee, from River West, please welcome Gabe Neitzel. Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Stephen Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee, presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City, alongside Stephen Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel. I have been looking forward to this day. Gabe, I'm standing up. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know how you have the energy, man. Like, I am exhausted. All right, I am absolutely exhausted from being up at, and it's, it, I'm not saying this for anyone to feel bad, like I was up there a lot, and it was tiring, and it was awesome to be up there. You just got done playing 100 holes of golf uh, at the Wisconsin Club, which is where we're at for our friends over the first day. I don't know how you have the energy to stand, but if we're going to stand, all right, we're going to stand. We I, are going to stand and talk about the Ryder Cup. I am Let's decked go. out. I am all airport right now in Team USA gear. <laughs> Because this is the moment we have been waiting for. Team USA wins at Whistling Straits, and they do it in historic fashion. They deserve us to be on our, our feet. I don't care about playing 104 holes today. <laughs> this is about America. I'm Great. up for it, baby. Greatest American team ever assembled. Greatest American no team question. of all time. No question. All time. They did it. It's And you were terrified. I was terrified. I said, so are you. I, I said 1711. <laughs> I, th- I feel like you did the fake confidence thing. Oh, uh, yeah. A little bit because you were just as terrified as I was when we saw, like, the forced Bryson and Brooks, you know, talk on the range, which then still became a theme throughout the course of the week um, with forced interactions between those two. When we heard about the, because we really liked, the, hey, you're a number representing yeah. Europe. Like, yeah. that was Europe, really good. Europe dropped that video, and I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> we're, we're going we're gonna to lose in bad fashion. And that's not at all what happened. And that's, I'm, I'm just, 19-9. to 9. It's the most lopsided victory since they went to this format in 1979. Most lopsided victory we have ever seen in this format. Just let that sink in. And the only one word, if I had one word to describe what happened, it's perfect. I feel that the way that Team USA played was perfect. I feel the way that the golf course was represented, the way it looked on TV, the way it played. Yeah, there were birdie opportunities out there, but if you missed... I mean, how many times did you guys, did you see somebody in a bunker and they were just dead? Or somebody hitting one left on 17. I know Spieth hit the miracle shot on day one, but you end up left on 17. Like, if you did not execute, you were dead. Like, you, yeah. so, so the golf course, I thought, represented well. I felt the, the, the fans of the state of Wisconsin were perfect. I just feel that the three days that we were on display to the golf world, and who knows when we're going to get this big of a bright of a spotlight in the state of Wisconsin on our golf courses ever again, I thought everything was perfect. And I think we need to take a moment and thank Herb Kohler and Pete Dye. Because this was their vision, right? They, yep. they wanted to create a course that could host championships. Herb Kohler wanted that wind to blow. And it blew enough to challenge these guys. <laughs> Not like it did on Wednesday. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. If it, if it Whist- blew like it did on Wednesday, oh, that would have been miserable. Whistling Straits got the credit it deserves. 
it was shining on an international spotlight. What picture-perfect days. I mean, the course looked incredible on television. The players loved it. We had analysts you know, nationally that were talking about, this is the greatest match play venue of all time. It's going to get a Ryder Cup again, Gabe. Uh, I, I spoke I to David about Kohler about it. They have put a bid in. They are going to try for, and host a Ryder Cup. 40, might, what, what are we looking at, 43? Gosh, I hope we have a show still, but <laughs> it's going to be a while. Because they're booked out until 37 in the U.S.? Yeah. Next In 25, because that's the thing. It only happens once every four years. So in 25, it's going to be in New York. It's going to be at Beth Page Black. And then in 29, it's going to be back up at Minnesota at Hazeltine. Yep. In 33, it's Olympic. going to be at Olympic. And then in 37, it's going to be at it's another West Coast venue um, that's blanking, escaping me. But they've got this thing booked out. Or no, excuse me. It goes back. It goes back east, and it's at Congressional in Baltimore. So this thing's booked out for essentially the next twenty years. So if they're putting a bid in, it's literally twenty years away in twenty forty one. I will be fifty five years old, <laughs> and this team will still be together, <laughs> Gabe, because this is a new era of American golf. Think about what we witnessed. Like Spieth is going to be a captain at that point. Think about what we witnessed, Gabe. Like the the, we were so concerned about the rookies. That was the biggest storyline heading mm-hmm. in to this Ryder Cup. Six rookies making the Ryder Cup debut. How would they perform? Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, and who am I forgetting? Who's the fourth? Uh, did you say Scotty? And yeah, and Scotty Scheffler. Their combined record: eleven, one, and three. It's pretty good. In their Ryder Cup debut. Pretty good. I mean, we we thought that Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas would have to carry this team. Turns out it was DJ, the veteran, and the rookies who made the difference for Team USA. I mean, we this team had the talent. We just didn't know if they could perform on this well, stage. But here's the thing, and, and yes, this was... And it's easy now in retrospect to say, yeah, I mean, we should have seen this coming. I mean, I think it's, I think it's hard to see 19-9 to 9 coming. Because this was... You can't ever predict that. No, no, you can't. But this was the most talent that any Ryder Cup team had ever had. Their average world golf ranking was a single digit. Yeah. Like, eight players of the 12 are in the top 10. Their lowest ranked player is 21st. Like, this is a ridiculously stacked team. But the, the thing is, it's not the first time the U.S. has had a ridiculously stacked team... And then they wouldn't win. So that, that's where the nerves came from. Yeah. But you mentioned the rookies, and nothing's guaranteed. Because you think about, and now we've had three years between Ryder Cups, and of course there are a lot of similar players, but you mentioned all the different rookies. I mean, in 2018, I, I didn't know who Scotty Scheffler was. Even when they last played the Ryder Cup in France. No idea who Scotty Scheffler was. It's the guy who beat the number one player in the world yesterday. Colin Morikawa, like maybe I'd heard the name just because at that point he was in college and he was one of the still one of the premier players um, in in the college game, maybe I heard his name in 2018, but that dude went out and was awesome yesterday. So so much can change. Yeah. In in two or three years, and and and, and to get this young blood in there, they just have a different attitude when it comes to the Ryder Cup. You know, it's just different for them versus the old guard of the Phils and Tigers and Jim Furyk and, um, you know, kind of that older guard. Yeah, they talk about scar tissue, yeah. right? 
there's no scar tissue when you have six newcomers and you have the the new rising faces of golf. These guys mm-hmm. and the brands have gotten bigger. Colin Morikawa has won two majors. <laughs> Xander Shoffley won, so won Olympic gold and goes out, and his only loss came in his singles match to Rory, who needed to win. You have Patrick Cantlay, who was arguably the best player on the tour, not named John Rahm. I mean, he won player of the year, so mm-hmm. yes, he was the best player on the tour, I, not named John Rahm. I would say he was the hottest player on the tour, not named John Rahm. I mean, because the yeah. way he closed the season, uh, because I think Dustin Johnson reminded us that he might be the best player in the world, not named John Rahm. There were only... Three players on Team USA who had losing records in this Ryder Cup. Jordan Spieth, yep. Harris English, and Tony Finau. That's... I mean, that, that says everything you need to know about... And I don't think Tony dominated. Finau played that, what, played that poorly. No. You know, like, I, the fact that Finau... Like, I, I know Harris was 1-2, and two, and I, Spieth, he couldn't putt when he, was with, um, when he was with Brooks, and then they also ran into the buzzsaw of, you know, John Rahm and Sergio Garcia on Saturday. That, that certainly didn't help their case. Um, and, and JT struggled kind of putting in their first match of the day, so the fact that Spieth is on that list wasn't shocking. But I didn't think Finau... I thought he was solid. I thought he played his role really well. Yeah, he was one and two. He was he, he lost his singles match, and at that point, I mean, he lost his singles match at a time that USA had already clinched. So, it, you, you don't put too much emotion into the way that he performed because he got his points early. And Harris English, I mean, if you were to tell me Harris English was going to be the worst player on USA, yeah, I would have believed you going into the Ryder Cup. Jordan Spieth was a surprise, but DJ was a bigger surprise in the positive direction. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, he made history. He became the first American since '79 to go five and zero. Yeah, so yeah, I, I don't think you has, you saw that coming. I didn't see him play. I didn't see the oldest player on Team USA playing all five sessions. No, didn't see that coming. Didn't and then, and then winning the press conference. By the way, can we can we talk about <laughs> DJ after? But I there, mean, there are so many things to talk about yesterday and what happened over the weekend. But yes, the, the the press conference was spectacular. Man, DJ is just continuing to win. He was unbelievable. He, For somebody who's so quiet and has a reputation of being mum, to say the least, he uh, was sipping some tequila. He was pretty happy. He had a whole lot to say. He didn't let go of the microphone in the, in the post-game <laughs> press conference. Wait, didn't he give it up after he almost swore? He made Justin Thomas take it from him because he (laughs) agreed to get a tattoo with Steve Stricker if he wanted to get one for winning the Ryder Cup. That's where they were at. That's where DJ was at. It was, again, I think it was just perfect. And I think what we have now is, and you saw, I think, how much the Ryder Cup means to the Europeans. Mm Mm-hmm. You you saw it in the way that Rory McIlroy was very emotional and broke down in tears in two different interviews, one for Sky Sports and one on NBC, where then he also swore and then, and then apologized. Um, but I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody gave a the word he said that he swore. Um, you saw it in the way that John Rahm talked very glowingly about Sergio. You saw it in the way Sergio talked about John Rahm. You saw it in Europe's post-press conference with the way that um, Ian Poulter and Lee, and Lee Westwood, guys who are probably done now. You know, they're probably not going to make another European team. Although, if the course in Rome is anything like it was in France, 
you could talk me into potentially Poulter being on that Ryder Cup team again <laughs> because that would be a better course fit for him, for him versus whistling straights. Um, but guys that just know and the emotion that they have towards the Ryder Cup, I think you have two sides that care. I, I don't know if Team USA cares as much as Europe does. I think it still means a little bit more to them. But the gap is closing. And I think that's what is going to make this event continue to be special when it's in Rome, when it's in, uh, when it's back in New York, when it's in Minnesota, you know, when it, when it goes to all these different places. I think that's going to make it special because there is a core of U.S. players that are going to be a part of these teams going forward that really care about it. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Steve Stricker. So and, that's and, I, and we could do a whole show on. Steve well, so Stricker. that's what I want to do. I at least want to dedicate a segment to Steve yeah. Stricker, and I know it's all about the drive is coming up next. And Strick isn't known for his driving ability. You know, it's more the wedge play and the putting. Um, but I want to dedicate that segment to Strick. Yeah. Because I don't think it is. Now, when you have a team that's as stacked as the one that he had. Um, I feel that he may not get as much credit as he deserves. Because I think the players, in that press conference last night you were talking about, wanted to give Strick the credit. I don't know if Strick wants the credit, but the players want to give it to him. And I want to talk about the job that Steve Stricker did in the Ryder Cup. We're going to do that coming up next on the tee. Back to the course and on the tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Team USA dominating the Ryder Cup. Stephen Watson and I still flying high after the 19-9 victory. And the final putt dropped yesterday. But we want to dedicate time and discuss the job that Steve Stricker did. We do that right now as part of It's All About the Drive. Sometimes it's all about the drive. But off the tee, it's all about the drive. The best and biggest shots of the weekend. That house is like 400 yards away. Is that good? That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On On the Tee is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive, we make it easy. All right, I guess this is supposed to be about driving. And, okay, so Bryson hit one 417 that left him less than 80 yards into a par 5. Uh, on Friday, so I don't know, man. His drive, but his Sunday. drive, but his. So I'm. Quick story on that. I missed it. I didn't see it because I was doing a hit on Sunday Karma, and I was up in the. There was a media platform area right above, and it really wasn't. It was for media and plenty of other people because they were. I don't think they were checking credentials, um, but there were plenty of people standing up there, and I just stepped away from there and went down in the back part of the grandstand because I was doing a hit for Sunday Karma yesterday morning. And, I mean, I hear the crowd going crazy, you know, as I'm standing there, and Craig let me know what had just happened, but I missed seeing that one live uh, because I was in the middle of doing an interview. Uh, but that, So, yes, he hit one 417 yards that was somehow overshadowed by a drive that went... About um, 70 yards shorter 
I mean, it was, I think it was, he hit that one like 340 to the front part of the green on one, but then made the putt for eagle and just kind of... I mean, he, he, flew, it, he flew it 340. He flew it, yeah. <laughs> that, that was Bryson's defining moment of the Ryder Cup. And we can probably do a segment on Bryson after. But <laughs> probably his defining moment of the Ryder Cup was him driving one in a singles match, making the eagle putt. That was an unbelievable tone setter for Team USA. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Um, but I want to take this segment. I want to talk about Steve Stricker because I don't think it can be ignored. And I think it was JT who pointed this out yesterday. You can't ignore what he did in 2017 in the President's Cup. And that was a dominating victory as well. I believe it tied the record for uh, most lopsided victory in that event since they went to their current format. And now his team dominates this event like we have seen no one ever do before. So, yeah, he's not going out there. He's not coaching these guys. But he got them in their best space to play golf. And these guys certainly appreciated it. We heard about pre-Ryder Cup in the week leading up to it. Uh, Brooks Kepka talking about all the outside, you know, responsibilities outside of golf that they have and, and how he didn't seem to like that. Um, you know, we've heard people kind of throw captains under the bus previously. But last night, to a man, everybody wanted to step up. And the when the question was asked if Strick would want to do this again, before he got a chance to, sit, to respond, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth. Justin Thomas, all were like, yeah, we want him to be our captain. He won't do it again. And he, he joked that he said, I did it. I'll never do it again. He got a chuckle out of that. Um, he poured his heart, soul, life into the last two-plus years. And he did it during a pandemic. Yeah. And he never knew. So he had to event, do it for an extra year. And he never knew if this event would actually happen. Yeah. And his moment in Wisconsin, because that part means so much to him. Oh, 100%. And he'll be the first to tell you. I mean, the opportunity to win is one thing, but to win at Herb's place where he has played in PGA championships and he has played, you know, growing up and, and just to play in front of his home fans and his daughters and his wife. I mean, that, that part of it was storybook for Steve Stricker. And... The way that he has continued to play on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour and be the captain and rally a group of individuals and bring them into a team, Steve Stricker, this was his moment. And he was the first one to get emotional, surprise, on that stage <laughs> when he was asked about what this meant to him. He called it his major. And he said... With tears in his eyes, I never won a major, but this is my major. I mean, that says everything about who Steve Stricker is. It's bigger than him. He recognized that. And he got 12 individuals to recognize that it's bigger than all of them. And I think that that is what he did as a captain. He knows that there are better players on his roster, but better players don't always win match play events. I mean, you and yeah. I are big golfers, and... You know, match play is any given Sunday, right? It's 18 holes, man. And, it's it's and, such a small sample size. But he got, and he was the first to point out, that he got his team to buy in so much that Brooks and Bryson were willing to play together. And and he said that in his, his NBC interview after winning the Ryder Cup. He's like, I realized that I got these guys fully to buy in when Brooks and Bryson said, yeah, we'll play together. After this, what this summer was... <laughs> 
I mean, that that is a credit to Steve Stricker and Steve Stricker alone because he was able to rally a group of guys. And I think it goes back to a couple weeks ago when he brought them to Whistling Straits and said, hey, let's just have a fun, get to know you type thing. We'll have dinners. They turned the entire clubhouse into essentially a Team USA fun room. And they kept them out on property. And they had a great time. And they realized that, hey, we need to reverse this trend of how this Ryder Cup is going because we are the more talented roster. And we have been for quite some time. And I think that his captain's picks, we talked about the results that the rookies brought to Team USA. But it's also, he realized that this is a new wave of golf, and we have an opportunity for this to be a trend and not an anomaly. And I think that that's what you're going to see in future Ryder Cups, is that this core group that you mentioned is going to stick together, and they have realized how fun that feeling is of winning and how important that is to buy into the team aspect of it more than anything. Steve Stricker isn't going to do this again, I think, because he's too nice. Yeah, of course. Because Cause it's, it's, it's time. Well, it's not Tiger's time even. ZJ, Zach Johnson is going to get it for Rome. Phil's definitely going to get it in New York. Yeah. <laughs> like, Phil's, Phil's getting it for New York, and then, you know, it'll be Tiger's forever. After that, it'll be Tiger's for however long Tiger wants to do it, and Tiger has really bought in to the team stuff. And I'm sure, you know, Stricker will be a part of that just because... Stricker and Tiger are tight. You know, they're close. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tiger is a big part of oh, a huge part the of last this. couple of weeks. I want Team USA to push for Steve Stricker. Like, I, I think it's great that, you know, that Zach Johnson and Phil Mickelson and these guys are going to be captains at some point. But, man, if, if we are actually going to treat the Ryder Cup like it's a competition, like the competition that Rory McIlroy treats it, where it gets him to say... I don't give a bleep about my personal like stuff. Like This is the thing that I care about the most, and it gets him to cry. Then let's treat it like a competition. Like after a team blow, you know, I, I didn't see after you know the New England Patriots won their first Super Bowl with Bill Belichick. Well, Bill, you know, it was great. We appreciate your time, but now it's, well, it's really somebody else's turn. No, they kept going, and they won a bunch. Let's keep stricking place, and let's just keep winning these things. It's a fair argument. I mean, the hard part is over, right? Getting them to buy in and realize the culture part of it, that's the hard part. Yeah. He knows that he has the talent. Stricker was the first to tell you, I just stood back and (laughs) let them do their thing. My whole part was communication. And, like, he stuck to his game plan. Even when we both reacted on Saturday when we saw some new lineups. And we were just like, wow, what what is Strick doing? That was a part of the plan from day one. I... I and I think that was important. I don't know if Brooks and Spieth were part of the plan, but he had built such a lead, and he wanted to make sure guys were rested, and he had gotten such the buy-in that you—I mean, you—that's the one format you can play around with. Like you cannot randomly throw two guys out in alternate shot that haven't practiced with each other, yeah. Because you got to know the golf ball, you got to know each other a little bit more. Like there's a—you're two guys playing one, you know one ball around an 18-hole golf course, so there's a little bit more things that go on there. So it's, hey, you two are pretty good. Just go play your own ball and go do your thing, you know? And you can do that if you've gotten the buy-in that he mentioned. Because I, I, I'm willing to bet that when he sat down Friday morning, he wasn't probably going to pair those two. But at the same time, he knew two pairs that he was throwing out, the two guys that had rested, you know, the two pairs that had rested uh, in the morning session. He was going to throw out DJ and Morikawa because they were just rolling. Yeah. And, okay, I got to rest. Uh, I still want to rest JT. I want to rest this guy, this guy. 
I guess it leaves me, hey, um, two world-class players just go out and have fun together. You know, have Brooks and Spieth go out and play, and ultimately didn't work because they ran into a buzzsaw that was John Rahm. But I, I don't know, man. I, I just think that he deserves a shot. He did such a good job this week that he deserves a shot to be the first captain in 30 years to win on European soil. I don't think it's about deserving at this point. Steve, I mean, everybody agrees that Steve Stricker did an incredible job and the players want to play for him. It's now up to Steve Stricker if he wants to put the time in because Steve Stricker strikes me as the type of person that will not just walk into Rome and say, all right, I'm going to throw the same lineup at you. Oh, 100%. He's going to break it down every single part of the analytics. He's going to figure out the course and what guys it fits. And, you know, he went through incredible detail to build this roster and brought in so many types of people to go through the analytics of golf, more so than just meshing personalities. Yeah. I mean, he really, really sunk his entire life into this. Um, And so I think there's one person that has a decision to make, and it's Steve Stricker at the end of the day. I, I I wish we could get a truthful answer out of him if he actually wants to do it again. He's too nice, though. That's what I'm saying. That, that's, that's the issue, is that if he wanted to do it again, he knows that it's, it's Zach Johnson's turn. You know, like he, and I don't think he wants to step on because Zach Johnson has been an assistant captain. He was a vice captain or what assistant captain, whatever, whatever they're called. But he was he was one of the guys, you know, along with Phil and Freddie um, around this week. And it seems pretty obvious that Zach Johnson's the next in line. And I don't think that Steve went, hey, when it was my turn in line, I took my turn. Now I, I I've built this up. Now I pass it off to the next guy and hope that he can keep it built to where I have where, to where I've been able to build this. And it's going to be interesting to see how he looks at this after this all settles a little bit because I really do think that the covid part of it added a whole new level yeah. of stress oh, yeah. and and planning and answering questions of uncertainty that he had to answer at every single event that he played in leading up to the Ryder Cup is it going to happen? Is it going to happen without fans? I mean that weighed on him, I would, I'm sure, emotionally more than anything. So not having that element of it, we hope, you know, for the next Ryder Cup, maybe he, maybe he second-guesses himself and realizes, like, his calling in golf is not the 12 PGA Tour wins. It's being a leader. And maybe, maybe he will be the first since Davis Love to, to captain more than one team. Maybe I, I certainly believe that the players want that, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Steve Stricker's decision. Oh, it's a, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent down. It's a hundred percent up to Steve. And look, and if he decides he does it, that's basically what I want to know. Like, if he decides he doesn't want to do it again because you know he wants to be a little bit more present to see you know to help out Bobby as she yeah. prepares for a pro golf career, or Izzy as she goes through her high school golf career, you know, and and he wants to be present for those things, family, because his family is such an important thing to them, uh, to him and Nikki, because Nikki, because here's the other part of it too. Like, Nikki was very involved with this as very. well. You know, More like, than any other wife, probably, of a Ryder I'm, Cup captain. I'm guessing, yes. right? Like, I'm guessing. And so it's, it's kind of up to, do they want to do it? And if they want to do it, I don't want, you know, if they, if they don't want to do it, I'm fine with that. I just don't want them to not to say, yeah, we don't want to do it because it's Zach's turn now. Yeah. You know, well, that's, that's the easy out. Th- I mean, that is the easy out. But that's, that's why I wish we could get some truth. You know, just, you know, hey. 
I don't I, trust Steve here, Steve. If he wants it, like I just want him to. I would take love. It. I would love nothing more than to see Steve Stricker be another captain for Team USA. But I think that he had the incredible storybook ending. And yeah, I mean like, that's what, the thing too. What, what more can you ask for than winning the first Ryder Cup in Wisconsin that it's hosted, mm-hmm. and being the face of a historic win in your home state? I mean, you, you, you turn this into a movie. For Steve Stricker, <laughs> you re- I mean his his entire golf career, man. When you think about it, I mean he had the driver yips. Like his career was done and over. To go from where he was, and he had won a couple of times on tour before that happened. For him to come back to the point where he won Comeback Player of the Year two years in a row, <laughs> and I don't even think they do that award now anymore. The PGA Tour is just the Steve Stricker Award. To go from that to a guy that ended up playing on three Ryder Cups in 8, 10, and 12, I believe, um, to you know a guy that won some playoff events and won some pretty big events, ultimately didn't win that major, to then being a Ryder Cup captain and captaining this team, like, yeah, that's pretty damn incredible. Being the face of the Champions Tour, hosting an event in Madison. The biggest Champions Tour event outside of the majors that they host. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really an incredible legacy that he is building right now. And I... Man, Gabe, I, I would love nothing more than to see it. I just, I, I think that it's not going to happen. Is, he is walking off on top. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And his golf career is certainly not done. Like he is. Oh he no, is, like, no. He's going to play on the Champions Tour for a long time. Yeah. But I, I think that he realized well, I had the perfect storm at Whistling Straits. And here's the bad news for the Champions Tour guys. Strick's about to have more time on his hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's. That's not good news for them because he's already won a bunch of those events. Uh, we do have to talk about some other things. I don't know. I honestly do not know if there's a PGA Tour event this week. There could be. I don't There care. might be. But we're not going to talk about it. We're talking all red, white, and blue. Today, we're going to make some different picks coming up next. It's not going to have to deal with whatever PGA Tour event, if there is one. But first, we have to get to this week's Kirk Girl Moment of the Week. And now, it's time for another Cart Girl Moment. Presented by Fairways of Woodside. Oh, hi there. Do I know this course well? Hmm, well, let me think. Do I know that the course dog legs right on 7 and left on 10 and 14? Do I know that the two sand traps you see near the green on 4 aren't the only ones there? And do I know how you're better off using an 8 iron on 12 than a pitching wedge? Sorry, guess I don't think I can help you. What kind of drinks can I get for you, though? This has been another Cart Girl Moment. Presented by Fairways of Woodside, home of the premium golf experience. Premium golf, service, and of course, the best golf carts with GPS and Bluetooth speakers. Fairways of Woodside. No ifs, ands, or putts. There's more on the tee with Gabe and Steven coming up on 94.5 ESPN. This is On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Still riding high after Team USA's 19-9 victory in the Ryder Cup. I have no idea if there is a PGA Tour. We still have to make picks. It's part of the show we do. We're not going to make picks related to the events if there is an event. We've got some different picks to give you right now in our fantasy golf segment. Who's in the red? 
Give me another ball. Take a drop, Roy. Roy, just... Give me another ball. Who's in the green? Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. This is where we recap the weekend in fantasy golf and prepare you for the next tournament. Brought to you by New Male Medical Center. Guys struggling with low testosterone, ED, and weight loss have had success at New Male. You can too. Schedule your consultation at newmail.com and discover the new you. Sanderson Farms in Jackson, Mississippi. Defending champion Sergio Garcia. So I guess there is an event this week. Still don't care about it. Uh, Team USA, 19-9. But I'm I, care, lo- I care about that. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward. I know Xander Shoffley didn't want to look forward yesterday, but I'm going to look forward just a little bit. And what I'm going to ask you to do, Stephen Watson, as a prediction, I want you to give me one name of somebody that was not on Team USA this time around, but in two years in 2023 is going to be on Team USA heading to Rome. My heart wants to say Max Homa because he's very likable coming off another win to start off the 2021 season. But I think I'm really intrigued by Will Zalatoris. Yeah, see, those are the two names. Those are literally the two names. They're they're right next to each other. Max Homa's number 31 in the world. Will Zalatoris is number 32 in the world. And Will's a little bit younger. Um, my pick was going to be Max Homa, but yes, I think these are the two guys that I have my eye on. Like, I don't see a Jason Kokrak or, I mean, Webb's time is done. And, I mean, maybe maybe uh, Patrick Reed might get in because he automatically qualifies. That's the only position I could see him being on Team USA is he gets in on points. What's going to be interesting, and I think that they should keep it this way, I think they should keep six captain's picks. Yeah, because. Because especially if you want a chance to win in Rome, I think you have to have some of the flexibility to pick guys that are more course fits. Because a lot of the guys that are going to automatically qualify are going to be guys that can bomb it long and are going to be more of a course fit, maybe a Whistling Straits or a Hazel team. Courses that are a bomber's paradise. Now, I don't know much about this golf course other than it's been behind schedule. I mean, it's COVID. What is behind schedule in terms of its rebuild in Rome? Um, But my guess is it's going to be like a typical European course where driving distance is not as important. And maybe you have to be a little bit more accurate and you've got to be a better iron player, be able to get up and down from some spots and, you know, some like a lot of the Europeans are. So I, I, I think yeah. you need that flexibility to choose guys with your captain's picks that are going to be more course fits. If this course was not being played at Whistling Straits, my guess is he wasn't gonna, Stricker wasn't going to take guys that could just bomb it all over the place. But isn't it interesting when you think about Whistling Straits, like some of the guys that played the best weren't the Bombers. Like the way that Xander, Morikawa, and Cantlay played, like I don't think of them as Bombers. No. Bryce, Bryson was 2-0-1. That was a... Huge positive for Team USA. DJ, 5-0. and I mean, those are your bombers. Yeah. they they USA dominated the par fives. Tony Finau is a bomber. But yeah. He had a losing record. I, I, but, I Iron players are, are going to win you match play events. Oh, without a doubt. But the thing is, Xander's sneaky long. I think Morikawa is a little bit longer than you think. But because all of the attention goes to him being the best Iron player on the planet. And being partnered with DJ. Yeah. like So I, I think that gets overshadowed. But these are guys... Like, you know, Berger hits it a long way. There's the reason that Berger got picked over Kevin Kisner and Kevin Na. 
Like, yeah. the Kevins weren't going to make it. Now, maybe if this was a European-type course, like we saw in France or some of the other venues, maybe those guys would have had a chance. You know what I'm saying? So, I, Of course, of course. I, I, I think that I agree with you wholeheartedly. Six picks is great because maybe one of these top six guys, the automatic qualifiers, slides a little bit next year and a half, two well, years. And, and I, I do think that team chemistry is a real thing. You, Ian Poulter it can't be a top 40 golfer right now. But but he just had the OWGR but on my he list. is an ultimate Ryder Cup player. I mean, Sergio started playing well as of late. Tommy Fleetwood lost his PGA Tour card. Ian Poulter is number 50 in the world. Yeah. 50th ranked player. And Tommy Fleetwood lost his tour card, but he's on Europe because of the European points. But he's also a great Ryder Cup player. Didn't play that well whistling straights, but nobody on Team Europe really did outside of Jack and Rom. By the way, if it's a shorter course, and I'm not convinced Ian Poulter's done. I, I, why should he be? I mean, he would he close out Finau three and two? <laughs> yeah, he did. He, did. He, he still is a stone cold killer on the golf course. I mean, he's an ultimate competitor. Match play is a great equalizer, and that's why team chemistry and camaraderie is so important. I think that Team USA finally figured it out. But I think those two guys that we were talking about with Max Homa and Will Zalatoris, they would fit in. Max Homa is the most likable guy on the PGA Tour right now, and he's maybe because he's so good on social media, but he fits that young mold of, you know, he's good friends with JT and Spieth and, you know, that. that. But also because his story, I mean, if you want to talk about Stricker's story and how heartwarming that one is because he has the driver yips and comes back, like, go back, uh, Max Homa, because he has been spectacular. He had his own podcast. He, he just left. Um, he was doing it with Shane Bacon, who's on the Golf Channel, called Get a Grip, and now Max Homa no longer does that podcast. But he's joined No Laying Up, like, three or four times. And Friend of our show as well. Yeah. Came on our show. I mean, well, you weren't here for it, so I don't, I don't know if he's, you know, really a friend of that part of the friend show. Friend of games. There. Yeah. Uh, but he came on, and but his story of how he got his PGA Tour card when he first got his PGA Tour card, I believe he got three FedEx Cup points. That's how lost he was. Yeah. Think about three. That's all you got. You got three FedEx Cup points. Obviously, then went back down to the then Wemdob Contour, worked his way back, and now he's a three-time PGA Tour winner, including one of their marquee pe- events at Riviera. So uh, his story is fantastic, and that's where my heart is. I want him to be on one of these teams. And... I think his iron play is spectacular, which is something that could come into effect over in Europe. Yeah, and, and, and Will Zalatoris is on a unbelievable trajectory for American golf. I mean, he could be a major winner by the time that we're talking about Rome. And that's why I think that he is probably a little bit more of a favorite over Homa. Oh, just without because a doubt. Because you know, his ceiling is a little bit higher. Yep. But Homa... You know, he's he has what three wins now? He's got three wins, so he continues and, to win at this rate. And two of I them mean, are relatively. I know the Wells Fargo isn't an elevated event, but I feel like that's a pretty big event because again, you think about guys that have won that previously. That's where Rory won this year. Yeah, you know that's that's an event that a lot of guys. It's their last event they play before the U.S. Open, so it's usually a pretty loaded field. So for him to win that event and to win Riv. Like, those are two pretty marquee events of the PGA Tour. It's going to be really hard for somebody to earn a spot over what this team just did, though. I mean, it's hard to predict where somebody like a Harris English goes from Mm -hmm. here. The way that Scotty Scheffler just performed in match play, I mean, he probably just punched his ticket for... Patrick Cantlay is a competitive psychopath. 
Oh, he is. I mean, there's there's a reason he's called Patty Ice. <laughs> like, he, first of all, him being one of the more animated players on the golf course during the event while he was playing, didn't see that coming. That was one of my surprises. Two, him waking up and then telling after he got done with his event and telling Steve Sands or Jim, whoever he was talking to afterwards, um, to say, yeah, I woke up this morning and I told everyone we need to get to 20 points. And I think he was kind of upset that there were some, like, good goods on the 18th that ended up in some halves because he really wanted to get to 20 points. I don't know if he was happy with 19. Like, he is a competitive psychopath in the best way possible. I, I think one of my favorite events of this entire season was him and Bryson going to those oh, yeah. six you know, Seven playoff, playoff holes. holes. It was so much fun. Cantley didn't crack a smile. No. Which is what made this weekend so fun when he was fist-pumping and, you know, showing that animation because... You, you could tell that he cared, I mean, but he just he, he has that just that edge that makes him special. You want to talk about hatless Rory, hatless Patrick Cantlay, yeah, just as dangerous. Kind of kind of some swagger with the no hat. <laughs> Got some, yeah, hundred uh, percent. There's one course up there at Whistling Straits that I feel bad for. I want to talk about that coming up next. Forget about changing that dial. More on the tee with Gabe and Steven next on 94.5 ESPN. For It's On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Poor Irish course. We talk about the Irish course right now on the team. Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On the Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com. I feel bad for the Irish course. I got a lot of steps on the Irish course. <laughs> Walking to and from the merchandise. So so for the people that don't know, the Irish course is the other course that is uh, on property at Whistling Straits. And it's a good golf course. It is a solid golf course. I've got people that maintain that they think the Irish course is harder You're looking at one of than, them. than Whistling Straits. Yeah. Uh, so that tells you how good that golf course is. But it's just like it's got... Stuff built on it, people cutting across. I'm sure when you got to uh, over by 10 uh, on the backside, there were a couple of areas of hospitality. There was like one area of bathrooms. If that got packed, I'm guessing some people wandered off in the woods right by hole number nine yeah, on the Irish. Uh, to grow some grass. <laughs> I just feel bad for the Irish because it's a great golf course, and it just kind of, you know, gets shown. I mean, understandably so for the Ryder Cup, but, you know, people just kind of traipsing all over it. Made me feel a little bit bad for it's it. It's definitely the uh, ugly stepchild of of whistling, but whistling is hosting majors, and it's on the lake. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like when if you ever play the Irish course, when you get to I want to I think it's eleven or twelve on the backside of the Irish, kind of come. It's a par four. It's up the hill. You get to the top of it, and you kind of get a little tease, a little little taste. <laughs> 
Just a little taste. There's of the... one. There's one huge hill that you can hi- you can hike up, and you get that beautiful Lake Michigan. And then you're going back down to tee off on the par three, and you never really see Lake Michigan again. But the best part about the Irish is that you can play it for seventy five bucks. Yeah, that's know, late true. In the season, you that can't do that true. at Whistling. No, no, you cannot. Um, we're wrapping up talking about the Ryder Cup as well. Uh, what was your favorite moment this week? Do you have one? Can you narrow it down to one? Yes. This is your answer. Um, the first tea experience on Friday morning. I woke up. I drove up. I was there for sunrise over Lake Michigan, looking down one. You know, the energy in the crowd when JT and Spieth appeared from the tunnel, um, watching JT hit that first tee shot. That is definitely the defining moment for me. The other one was probably Bryson's drive on one on Sunday, um, standing behind him, watching him drive the green and then make that eagle and the roar of that Sunday crowd, just the energy was so high that day because Team USA was so close to winning. Um, it was those are the two, and and probably DJ in the press conference was, <laughs> was a highlight for me. Just the whole pre- just the press conference as a whole, I thought yeah. was great because, and I know we talked a little bit about the future um, of of the USA team with the Ryder Cup during today's show, but like Xander shutting down that question, I really like. Just like, hey man, let us enjoy this. Yeah, this was great. And obviously, going forward, and Jordan Spieth decided he wanted to answer a question about that, uh, about going, you know, Team USA being successful and trying to win on European soil going forward. But this group really did buy into Strick. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for me to narrow it down to just one thing. As, as I started the show, I, I thought the week was perfect. It was. And I don't think there's one moment that I'm going to remember about the Ryder Cup. There are so many other. There are so many things I'm going to remember. Only one thing I'm going to try to forget, and that's the ugly brown uh, suit coats, oh. their sport coats that they decided to you're, wear for the opening you're ceremony. You're going to drop that at me at, at <laughs> 6.57? So I'm going to try to forget that. Other than that, the week was perfect. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to remember Strick, and I'm going to remember you know, Bryson's tee shots on – um, you know, on on five, on six, hitting less than driver, but then going, hey, don't worry, guys, I'm still going for it. He was um, the ultimate showman this week. He like, won. He won the Ryder Cup week. Yeah, without a doubt. But um, kind of JT and Jordan Spieth being the the emotional leaders in the way that, um, you know, the way that DJ played. I'm going to remember the the eagle that Spieth and JT made on Saturday morning when they were trying to you know get a point for Team USA when when the Ryder Cup was still not you know. In kind of in the back pocket, the way it was by the end of Saturday. There are just so many moments that I'm going to remember. I don't know if I can just single out one because I thought, as a whole, again, the week was pretty damn perfect. Yeah, really special event for Wisconsin, and we hope that we get it again at some point in our lifetimes. And that's not a crazy sentence to say out loud when you think about how the Ryder Cup is structured. Um, that venue deserves to host more major championships. We don't know what's going to happen in the future with PGAs. Moving to May, um, but Whistling Straits, hats off to you. I mean, it, the international stage got a chance to get a taste. Yeah, get a taste of what makes golf in Wisconsin so special. It was amazing weather, a test. The players loved it. Stricker got the win. I mean, it was, as you said, it was a perfect week. Again, special thanks to Wisconsin Club for having us out here today because this is where you were. Um, again, uh, I don't want to seem like we were complaining, but you were up at the Ryder Cup, what, six days? Yeah. Six of the seven? Um, and then you turned around and played 100 holes of golf for a great uh, cause today. So shout out to the Wisconsin Club for having us out here where you played 100 holes to uh, to make this a little bit easier for you. Yeah. So you didn't have to chase all the way 
to the studio. And it's not about me. It's about Wisconsin Club for hosting. It's about First Tee of Southeastern Wisconsin, which is why I played 100 holes today, to try and raise money for them and, and giving kids an opportunity to fall in love with the game that we both love. And that's why I played today. That's why you've played in other 100-hole events in the past. Um, it's, it's bigger than us. And um, it, was, it was an honor to play, and I could probably play another 100 tomorrow if, if, if you twisted my <laughs> if, arm. If needed. Uh, he's Stephen Watson. I'm Gabe Knight. So we'll be back again next week. Maybe we'll still be talking Ryder Cup. Who knows? We'll probably still be wearing Ryder Cup gear, that's for sure. Never taking it off. This has been On the Tee. The Wisconsin Club, 